Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Today on the podcast, all the way from the Near East, the Middle East, let's welcome longtime hasher, Compressed Fart. How are you? Uh, good, thanks, Matthew. Yeah, it's, it's been a while because we used to hash in Cairo together. Along. Yeah, that was into the 2000s too. Let's introduce you with your hashing origin story. When, where, and how did you get to your first hash? Uh, the first hash was in Jeddah in 1997. Some friends on a compound in Jeddah, and they said, let's go out and do some running and walking up in the hills and have some beer. I thought, ah, this sounds good. So I went along not knowing what to expect. And the first thing that happened, I was called into a circle and they gave me a, a small bucket of beer and they gave me 10 seconds to drink as much as I could or pour it on my head. So majority of it went on my head. Then we had the, the talk on where the run went and what to follow on the trail. And off we went over the loose rocks. And it's quite amazing because I've never been out to that sort of part of the country before in Saudi Arabia. Fantastic people. And I kept telling people that I could smell beer every time I ran around. So of course, it was me. But we finished, all got back, and then we had the circle, and I was just blown away by the circle. Just such good fun. And, and everyone talked to you. So you were greeted, and it, it was just a fantastic way. And unfortunately, after that Thursday, because it was the Thursday, Friday weekend in Saudi Arabia, they made us work all Thursday, so I never got a chance to hash again until I moved to, to Cairo and I did a rehydration run. Let's take a snapshot of what life was like in Jeddah in 1997. You had beer. What was life like living there in terms of the social life apart from that hash run? The social life was good because you were on a compound, so it was a nice walled, fenced-in, secure area. I arrived two weeks after one of my neighbors, and we both learned how to brew beer, which is you just go to the shops, buy alcohol-free beer, and put the alcohol back in. A lot of jerry cans, tubing, funnels. We bought baker's yeast, lots of sugar. The funny thing is the Filipinos in the supermarkets used to say, if you're having that much sugar, you need to get some more yeast. So they would advise you. But it was a simple process. And yep, we then started having some nice drinks around the pool. A bit strong, but we got used to it. And that was my introduction to brewing. Nice. Let's talk about the international rehydration hash in Cairo. At some point, I had the streak of attending all of them until I left in about 2004. What was that trail like? Yeah, I, the, the first one, it might have been the 2004 one or the 2003, but I was invited by Whorehouse Hotel from the British Club. So we went down there and I didn't really know what to expect. And there was just so many people. It was uh, about 150 so we set off and came to the first check. Oh, you get a drink. And I believe it used to be Scotland first and England. So you had the national drink of the country. So we had some nice whiskey. Then we had some gin and tonics. We did eight stops 
and every stop was people getting slower, people getting drunker, and uh, it was just one of those amazing events. And I remember the circle we had bankrupt, trying to hold a circle on yourself, but everyone was just talking away because it was they, they were just well gone. Uh, it was just one of those fantastic events to get me back into hashing. Yeah, sorry. That was an annual event once it got started in Cairo, and it moved later. It was duplicated. Did you ever yeah, the, roll in that? I think some people from Cairo went to Abu Dhabi or Elaine over in the UAE here, and they started the rehydration runs here. So for the past 12 years, I've been involved in those. The past eight years, I've always done a, a stop, and they always have a theme. It's, it's really good fun. One year, I did a Saudi theme where we had a big bottle of water, which was Siddiqui, and we had all the pork products you can have. And we just sat there in our dish dashes and let everyone get on with it because being Saudi, you don't work. <laughs> That's great. How was your life in Cairo for hashing? Were you able to get there regularly? Yeah, I did, did a lot of hashes. I must have done about 70 to 80 hashes in, in Cairo. A lot of herrings as well. I mean, it's just enjoyable down there, especially Wadi Degla. There's so many areas there. And I do remember one summer I stayed with uh, Gorillas in the Mist. And uh, he set seven trails in second consecutive weeks. And I joined him on, I think, three or four of those. But it's just really good fun. Kept you fit because you were setting the trails up the wadi, back down, and then up the other side. So it's uh, totally different to what I have now, which is flat. Yeah. But, uh, it was always right. great in uh, Cairo. The, that was the best. Sneaking onto the, uh, the pyramids was even better. Yeah, things changed. When you were there, that was uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, for yep. people that have, haven't been there or were only there later, there was no back wall behind the pyramids. There was no guards. There was no gates anywhere in the desert or anything, was there? Exactly. We used to start from one of the stables at the, the back and then sneak around. And unfortunately, I think it was with, who was the guy who used to drink out of the sock? Useless. <laughs> yeah. So I set a trail with him and we set off. And the first thing we came across was a big area with all the dead horses and they just leave them in the open. So of course we had to set the trail through there, which put a few people off. But at the end of it, we ended up with a, a big photograph of the group with the Great Pyramid behind us, which was a thing we did, and then back to the stables for the circle. Nice. What's the story of your hash name? Uh, it was good. I was named in Cairo. And the usual thing, tell us what you did as, as a living, where you're from, UK. I worked with air compressors, and the RA at the time just said, ah, compressed, and then someone shouted out fart. And that was it. It stuck, compressed fart. Trying to think of the name of the hasher who named me. He was the teacher from Mardi. Broodyard. Um, Broodyard is the one. Yep. Trying to think of his proper name. It was Kemp. Yeah, Kemp. Yep. 
Neuron has him. He, yeah, he's, he's retired and gone from there. Uh, how long did you stay in Cairo? I was there for three years, 2002 to 2005. Where to next? And then back to the UK for a couple of years. And then I joined Bahrain in 2007. And of course, got straight into the hash there. Did you do any hashing in the UK? Yes, I joined the, the local Essex hash because I live in Brentwood, Essex, east of London. And uh, yep, got into there and, and did quite a few of the hashes. Unfortunately, my job meant that it was a, an hour away for the drive. So it was very close to, to actually catch them. But I did manage to do uh, quite a few of the hashes. Met some of the good uh, people and then joined the first UK full moon as well. The monthly uh, moonshine run. That was easier because it was later on in the evening. But yeah, it was good. And there's a lot of people I know here now who know the people back in the UK. So it's a small world. Yeah. What was Bahrain like? Oh, it's great. I went to the hash and I got introduced to the hashes there. They asked if I played cricket. So I joined the cricket club and do you play darts? So I played darts for the dead cats in the British club. That was my social life completely full. But the Monday hash, that's when I first met Dildo Dan, one of the biggest characters around here in the Middle East. Yeah, I talked to him this summer. I had never met him in person until Eurohash this summer. Yeah, he's got some great stories, hashing on hippopotamuses and all kind of great stuff there. He's been around through the continent of Africa and the Near East. What about your involvement or in organizing events and mismanagement? When I came to Dubai, I started as social, then the as then GM, Nobbing Donkey, Australian lady, she said, would you like to be GM? So I said, okay, I wouldn't mind trying it for a year. And of course, that was 11 and a half, 12 years ago now. But we started getting in to the Intergolf, which is a regional hash for all the countries in the, the Gulf region. So we've organized four of those. And we also are doing next year's in the beginning of March. How much work is it and how over the years of 11 some years, have you been GM the whole time? I have, yes. <laughs> how has the world changed in, away from hashing and how has hashing changed over those 11 years in where you are in Dubai? Uh, unfortunately, the change here is we've lost most of our desert sites because of the building. And, it, and of course, it's really quick here. They just put complete housing estates up over real prime desert. So we have to go quite far out. Um, the bonus is we have a lot of hotels here, lots of bars. You could probably go three or four years and not go to the same bar if you went <laughs> around every hotel. This leads to the fact that all the youngsters don't want to go out to the desert. They don't want to get dirty. They'll stay in a pub. They'll have lots of drinks every night of the week. And it's very hard to attract people. So our average pack sizes have come down from 30, 35 to 15 to 20, which is not good. How was COVID there? Yeah, COVID straight away, we uh, had a big lockdown here in Dubai. So we were six weeks not allowed to leave the apartments. 
myself and the Creek hash, which is the men only hash here, we arranged to do the Zoom calls. Every night of the week, we had Zoom calls to keep people talking, which included the Monday night run where we just chatted. We did a, a Sunday roast. So everyone would order a roast and we'd eat and drink and just socialize. But it kept everyone on a, a good, sane footing. And then we did that, I think, for 20 weeks before we were allowed out to actually do exercise. We got used to that. We did a quiz every Friday. And we only finished that about six months ago. It was so popular. We, we used Kahoot, 50 right, questions. Yeah. And, and it was just good fun, really good social. What changed about living in Dubai over those years, apart from the building that impacted the hash? Anything else? Yeah, it's, it, it's got really busy. So we, we've had the usual thing where the prices have gone sky high for Expo. Uh, once Expo finished, then the rates for lease agreements came down, but not too much. Um, cost of living's gone sky high as well. Everyone blames COVID and that famous ship on the canal. I don't know why. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. the traffic here has really got uh, bad. So I use the metro as much as it can. And we try and do as many hash locations just off the metro. So we still use a lot of pubs now rather than desert sites and villas. But people still come along. It's like last night we had the desert hash down in uh, Jebel Ali. And it was just off the metro. So we've got a few people there, which is nice. What are the restrictions? People will hear, who haven't been, will hear about Middle East and they think you have to have, you can't, no shorts, you got to be covered up. What's it like to go to a pub there after a hash or before a hash? It's not so bad as people think. The main thing is in the past, you were supposed to have a drink license, but they've relaxed that now. So tourists... They didn't know this, but they were only licensed to drink in the hotel they booked into. But then, of course, they go out to all the bars. So as long as they're not causing problems and they're respecting people, then there's no problem. To buy alcohol, you have to have the booze license. I, I go out to Barracuda, which is in another emirate in Umulquain, and good prices there. So it's, it's a nice drive out. But how long did you brew? Have you, are you still brewer? No, no need to brew here because we have lots and lots of alcohol in the booze shops, the usual African and Eastern MMI. But then they say this Barracuda is like a warehouse full of alcohol. It's fantastic. <laughs> Which hash exactly are you GM of? Okay. I'm GM of the desert hash which we used to run on Sundays. Now it's Mondays because of the change in the weekend. But I also belong to the Creek Hash. So I'm Hash Cash on the Creek Hash as well as the Desert Hash. So they trust me. I also am the RA on the Moonshine Hash, which is monthly. That's a great contribution. You're a key figure there, obviously, now in Dubai hashing over these years. What is it like? with the circle for the desert hash 11 years of gm had the ra changed over that time and how's that circle organized yeah we, we go with our traditions in the desert we light a fire the hares are responsible to bring the wood and they also bring food 
we have mismanagement to bring the beers and the softies water. But so the RA is getting harder and harder to be on RA because no one wants to actually give dirt against themselves. You have to make up a lot of things. And we've fallen back to things like it happened on this day or in the news. But the good old fashioned, say, when I first started, you could probably have about 15 hashes would be called out for down downs for stupidity. But people just don't like doing that now. So they're not getting smarter. That can't be it. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. When we see what they do. Has the cost gone up with the rising costs of beer and everything? Most of the expats are on expat. So it's a trivial cost there. Do you have locals on the hash? Yeah, we do have some locals and they've been the people who've hashed the most. We have three local guys who've done over 1600 runs each. And they've, they've put a good contribution in with regards to setting runs, with regards to bringing hash food and no expenses. One of the guys has a farm that we go camping in Hatter, which is excellent. So they're the really good contributors to the hash. One thing I wanted to ask you about was hosting of bigger events. Intergolf can be a big event. There has been a bid from the region from Mo, Little Mo. Do you think there's a possibility of ever having a bigger event than intergolf like a world interhash what's your opinion of the likelihood or, or feasibility of that yeah the little mo put a really good bid in but unfortunately here you are not allowed to drink in public so that's a big problem and also if you have large crowds then you have to contact the police to have security and uh, once they know what we're doing, that would be uh, the end of that. We try and limit our integral to around about 100 people. We can smuggle people around in that, so it, it's not too obvious. But we used to have a fantastic event, the Creek Around the Creek, organized by the Creek Hash, a full relay, a marathon relay. And we had to stop that, I think it was 2016, due to the fact that the police had to get involved. Then we'd have to pay for the police that finished and the fact of that is you can't do anything in public in large groups because they get too suspicious right how important and how much of the culture in dubai is hash singing ah very good when i first came over they had one song in the desert on the creek we still have one song and we sing that for every day so you don't forget those words but on the deserts I come from Bahrain, where we had a good, big repertoire of songs. There was a guy there called Saigon Sally, an American, and I think he moved to Germany. But he knew all the songs, but he couldn't hold a tune. But I remembered a lot of them from my rugby days. The current GM, Nobin Donkey, asked me to start singing the different songs. One or two people knew, like the, the British ambassador. So the two of us would sing. And then we started getting the songbooks. So we probably have about 20 different songs we sing now, and we try and do it for the right occasion. What about your personal hashing trips and travels? Do you hash travel beyond the region of the Near East? 
I don't. I've been very bad at that. With my family, I've always traveled home for the holidays, so I've not had any spare time to do any any of the big interhashes. It's one thing I might do when I retire, but I'll have to wait until that day comes. But all my travel has been in the region. I did go to Spain for my son-in-law's stag weekend, and I managed to get onto the Mijas hash. Oh, yeah. Nice. And that was through Bahrain hashes that had moved out there, so they invited me up. Nice. Have you been back to Cairo to hash at all or visit since you left there living there? I have. I went back. I used to be the chairman of the British club in Heliopolis. And I went back there when that was still active. Of course, it is long gone now. I always used to meet up with, should have been blonde, Mona. And of course, they always meet in, in the Ace Club now down in Mardi. So we went down there the last time, I think, must have been about eight years ago. And it was very enjoyable getting back into the Wadi again. And still a, f- a few familiar faces, which was nice. In fact, Rujard was still there. Oh, wow. Do you know Magdi? Yes. Ayumi? You know that he died recently? Yeah. One of the, one of the eldest, longest hashing Egyptians. Yeah. You've done a good job of mentioning people that were memorable or influential. And you seem to have a pretty good memory for events and names. Any other influential people? Who are some of the great and fun people that have passed through Dubai over the years? Uh, we met the great Hazakashi last year. We did the Creek 2000th run, and that was postponed due to COVID. We'd actually got up to about 2,100 and something, but we kept 1999, 2000, 2001 ready for that weekend. But when he came over, he's great, good social, a lot of good advice for events as well. So he passed on his knowledge. But we've had some great U.S. Marines come through. One's just come back after 10 years, a guy called Helmet Flasher. He was a, a full-on sergeant in the U.S. Marines. So every time we used to go to the uh, consulates and embassies, he was always there and he'd always come over and chat. But he moved to the States and now he's in Japan, but he's back on a social. So it was really good to, to see him again. People like that will bring a lot of people from their organization. So we ended up with three or four Marines through him and some Royal Navy people from uh, the UK as well. But it's that sort of people are fantastic to nurture the hash along, bringing people and giving the good advice as well. Do you bring people to hash? As how Over the last decade, how many have you brought? Personally, I've got a few people involved from work, but I've, it's not always that good because then they, they know what you're up to. Exactly. (laughs) Let's tell people what the expat life is there for for some people who are hashers in their home country and uh, travel hash, but maybe haven't lived overseas. Certainly in Cairo, you could wear out a tuxedo every few years. What's the lifestyle like in Dubai? Yeah, we we have that here. We did um, some dinner in the deserts, which is a full on black tie event in the desert where a hotel came out set up the tables and then we camped overnight but we have a lot of charity balls so there's a lot of black tie events anyway there's the the big thing here in in dubai and and abu dhabi is the brunch 
So Saturdays now we go out to brunch and you get deals for three, four, five hours, as cheap as like 200 dirhams for five hours, all you can drink, all you can eat. And the hashes are famous for going out and having a cheese sandwich and just drinking. (laughs) (laughs) They need the (laughs) stomach room for the beer. That's great. You have been over your life, cricket, rugby, other activities, any of those still going on in Dubai? Yeah, we have. There's a a big expats cricket team here called Darjeeling. I, I played a couple of games with them when I first came over. And they used to play in Sharjah at one of the English colleges. And the first thing they do is they bring out a full esky with the beers and ice in it. And of course, Sharjah is a dry emirate. So you have to sneak the beers in. But their game is like the hash. So when you go out to bat, you have a shot of Jägermeister. When you come out from batting, you have a shot. When you go to bowl, the same thing, a shot. And then when you finish bowling, another shot. So it's a good it's a good way of doing it. That's great. You're familiar, of course, with the hash tradition of red dress runs, charity runs. Is that something that can happen in the Emirates? It used to until about six of the guys got arrested. Unfortunately, the red dress run was set in a very Muslim neighborhood with a lot of locals. We were reported for witchcraft and all sorts. <laughs> And of course, you're not allowed to cross-dress here. So that didn't go down too well. So the locals managed to get the, the guys out of jail. They all got a cup of tea and got sent home. It's almost a different planet and a different world. It's great to hear those things. I spent a lot of my time in the region, and it is a great life. And you're looking good, compressed fart. And we have the same hairstyle now. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a good hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, it is low maintenance. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I just turned 64 on Saturday. As tradition would have it, I made a, a T-shirt for the people. And it was a play on the Beatles. So it's got when I'm 64, but it's the Fartles underneath rather than the Beatles. Yeah, right. And then the, the first line from the song or the first verse from the song on the back. Nice. So, uh, they're popular, but that, that's another big tradition is, is birthday T-shirts. And of course, you end up with 10, 20 suitcases full of T-shirts. What about your family? Were they hashers through this time? Yes, my, my wife wasn't too impressed. Unfortunately, she passed away five years ago now. But my children, I have two boys and a girl. They all hashed. My eldest son is called Rent Boy. And there's a good story behind that. Middle son is called Femi Dom. He didn't like that name. My daughter, she was quite active, but she used to walk and she liked electronics. So she was called iPlod. What's Rent Boy's hash name story? Okay, so when he was at school, he had a lot of confidence. And he used to go out to earn money. He used to go out to do cheeky butler jobs where you go to a hen night. And you just wear an apron and serve <laughs> drinks to all the, the girls and uh, other things. <laughs> and uh, when it came out on the hash, it was on the creek hash that the story came out. Then straight away, someone said, he's going to have to be Rent Boy. 
I guess it's good work if you can get it and uh, you hold on to that as long as you can. It's great to catch up with you, Compressed Fart. It's great to hear how hashing's gone on there. And here's to, you probably won't make 11 more years as GM because when you retire, what's your plan? I want to be back to the UK, so I'll pick up with the Essex hash and the first UK full moon. A big hobby is photography, so I shall be uh, going around photographing aircraft and birds. A lot of moon photos. There's a big plan. Gardening, looking after the house. So, yeah, I'll, I'll keep myself busy. What are you going to do with all those hash T-shirts? Are they coming home? The memorable ones will be coming home. The rest I will be donating to either the Hash Museum or we have one of the local hashes here, SAS. He donates the uh, the T-shirts to, to different charities. As long as they're polite enough on the words. Nice. Any other stories? Yeah, I, I tried to compete with Dildo Dan on uh, being arrested on the hash. I made the mistake and set a, a, a trail using chalk arrows into the metro. About two weeks later, I was summoned to CID for an interrogation, four hours. Why were you setting uh, the trail for your attackers to attack the metro? So I had to explain that it was a running group. I uh, didn't mention the drinking. I didn't get the locals involved because they didn't need to because they were happy at the end of it. But it was just a social group. So they gave me a warning to sign. And then two weeks later, they got me back and they ripped up the warning. And then I had to sign a thing to say I'd wasted police time. Wow. How did they identify you? The captain had a, a file this thick of photographs of me from all the cameras around where it set the trail. As he said, is that you? I said, yeah, can't you see I was really hot? I was, and I'd, I'd set the trail and they had thousands of pictures and they actually identified me when I walked through the Metro and that's where they picked me up for a, a small interview. And when I got back home to my home station, there was CID waiting for me and they followed me to make sure I was staying where I, they, I said I was. And they checked my ID again. And I said, oh, is there a problem? Oh, yeah, someone's done something really bad. And, of course, it was me. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah, another special run-in. Uh, but it sounds like it's all okay and there's no lasting impact now. Exactly. We keep away from metro stations now because we used to do that a lot. But, yeah, anything government, any palaces... We have to make a detour away from them because there's a lot of security. We use a bit of common sense and we keep ourselves out of jail. Maybe we'll see you at the UK Nash hashes and Euro hashes in a couple of years when you move on to the gardening phase. Definitely. That's something I'd love to do, get out of the garden, back on trail. Excellent. I'm actually off to a hash curry tonight. Every first Tuesday of the month, we have a hash curry club. Someone has to pick a bar to meet in and then choose a restaurant and uh, get everything organized. It starts at eight o'clock, so I've got some time yet. Yeah, I love my life. I'm in Toronto now. I married a hasher from Canada. But boy, that expat life. I <laughs> Sometimes I say maybe it would have been good if we could have moved into that life. That's a great life. I'm a bit envious of that still. I hardly ever put a tuxedo on anymore. It's going to be hard to let go, I tell you. Yeah, all right. On, on. Thanks a lot, Ra, and uh, on, on, take care. To close the circle, 
Here's the Hash Anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet child. 